0: Welcome to SECC. We pray that you are blessed today as you listen. Morning everyone and a real joy for myself and my family to be here. Um, Last week uh, I watched online and uh, you were in Ephesians 6 and looking at the armour of God and uh, there's an unattributed quote in a lot of Christian sort of literature. It says the Christian life is not like a battle. The Christian life is a battle. And uh, there's a lot of nods in front of me uh, that that would echo to that, and my life would as well. That in in our walk with Jesus, there, there are struggles, and there is victory. And as we've sung this morning, ultimately, we know that King Jesus is victorious. That on that Roman cross at Calvary, he won the ultimate victory the everlasting victory over sickness, sin, and even death itself. And uh, living with that fact front and central in our lives is essential for us. You know, Christ is that lighthouse who guides us through. And we need to continually remind ourselves that our God is risen and reigning, that we follow a victorious, living, never-to-be-defeated, eternal God. And for those of us here who have chosen to follow Jesus, that the good news is that yes, we have an eternity, an eternal destiny with that victorious God. But in this life, we are co-heirs with Christ. And uh, uh, Paul in in Romans eight seventeen, and I think this is where, if I've got a slide, it doesn't matter if not. the only Bible here we are. It says this. This is, so this is Paul writing to the church in Rome. He says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God fellow heirs with Christ, providing we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him, that that through us doing nothing we're called into a glorious inheritance in this life and the next, that we're never alone, we're never forsaken, no matter what it looks like to the carnal, no matter what's going on, that we have an acceptance and approval from our Father in heaven and a commission to live for his glory and uh, that he is for you That he has plans for you. They're indisputable facts. That you have a God-given purpose. And God's greatest call on on each of us is for us to know him deeply. To, like the psalmist, cry out, one thing I ask of the Lord, one thing that I may seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. And not just on Sundays, people. (laughs) It can be every day, every living moment for us to to desire to be with him. And God is committed to refining and molding each of us to be the people he calls us to be and that that is calling us deeper however long we've walked with him whether whether this is your first morning in church or however many hundred you know he calls us to go deeper to know him more that we're never a finished article we're always being refined and changed by the almighty to be more useful for him to know him more and to have a deeper intimacy. And what he's after is hearts that are set on him. Uh, A few weeks ago, I I was reading a journal, um, uh, and this journal entry was from 1925. And uh, it says as follows, it says, One day in early summer, I walked past a beautiful meadow. The grass was as soft and thick and, and fine as an immense oriental rug. In one corner stood a fine old tree, a sanctuary for numberless wild birds. The crisp, sweet air was full of their happy songs. Two cows lay in the shade, the very picture of content. Pisherbury Park on a good day. (laughs) Down by the roadside, the saucy dandelion mingled his gold with the royal purple of the wild violet. I leaned against the fence for a long time, feasting my hungry eyes, and thinking in my soul that God had never made a fairer spot than my lovely meadow. The next day, I passed that way again, and lo, the hand of the despoiler had been there. A ploughman and his great plough, now standing idle in the furrow, had in a day wrought a terrible havoc. Instead of the green grass, there was turned up to view the ugly bare brown earth, Instead of the singing birds, only a few hens industriously scratching for worms, gone with a dandelion and pretty violet. In my grief, I said to myself, how could anyone spoil such a thing so fair? And then my eyes were opened by some unseen hand, and I saw a vision, a vision of a field of ripe corn ready for harvest. I could see the giant heavily laden stalks, In the autumn sun, I could almost hear the music of the wind as it would sweep across the golden tassels. And before I was aware, the brown earth took on a splendor it had not had the day before. Um, If you've got a Bible and want to read from your own version, if you want to be turning to the book of Isaiah, it's come up behind us. We're going to read from Isaiah chapter 55. And uh, the book of Isaiah itself is God speaking through his prophet to his people, instructing them to follow, to trust, to live as he God calls them to, and to not forget the promises, the goodness of God. And uh, very briefly, the book of Isaiah has kind of three sections. And chapter 55, uh, where we're going to land in a moment, uh, falls at the end of the middle section. Uh, And the middle section starts around about chapter 40. And after prophesying a turning away from God, a fall and captivity, in the middle section comes a a thrust of the comfort, the reassurance, the drawing back to uh, God um, of his people. And obviously chapter 52 would be well known, contains the prophecy of the suffering servant pointing ahead to our Lord Jesus Christ, who would one day suffer to bring about a total redemption for all who would believe. Uh, Pointing ahead to that glorious day, as we mentioned earlier, when sin and sorrow will be no more. And every tribe and tongue will be at home with our God. But chapters 54 and 55 close that middle section with a promise of restoration and peace being rooted in God afresh. Um, Verse 1 of chapter 55, which is now up there, says this. It says, come. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Really well known. okay. And then I want to fast track on to uh, verses 6 to 9. Because this is where I just my heart was stirred to bring. And verse 6 says, Seek the Lord while he, is, while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. let's just pray really briefly and then just want to unpack that for sort of 10-15 minutes but father god we thank you for your unconditional love we thank you for the achievement the purchase of our very lives by your son jesus christ on that roman cross and we pray this morning holy spirit would you reveal yourself more to each one of us Father God, would, we, would my words be your words? Would people hear your truths? What is of man, would it be gone by the time we leave here? And what is of you, would it find root and grow to transform us and glorify you? We ask that in the beautiful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Good, you're all with me. It's nice when you get an Amen still. So things happen. That's the point that that comes from the illustration from 1925. And we may well not understand them. In fact, we may not want them. We might initially even resent them. Yet one thing that we need to be absolutely rooted in is that God is still sovereign over it all. And that gives us a conundrum. But God is working for his plans, his purposes, and ultimately doing the best for the glory of his name and for those who follow him that the struggles, the tough times, the battles, as mentioned last week, that we face, we don't always get to choose when they're going to happen. Sometimes it seems the battle chooses us. It just comes from nowhere. And as I said earlier, you know, it needs to be understood and expected that, that, that trials, tribulations, battles, they're part of the Christian life. You know, And neither Jesus or any of his apostles promised us Anything different, <laughs> you know? In fact, if we looked at it, you know, Jesus spoke very plainly that in the world we would have pressure. Paul later added that, you know, through much trial and tribulation we'd enter the kingdom, you know? Peter warned his readers not to really be surprised at the fiery trial as though some strange thing, but to be recorded as part of the course and then went further actually declaring in the fact that they were good news, <laughs> you know? That God, who is sovereign over all, Will use these things to train, refine, and build us. That he's working all the time as we've sung. And history often records, you know, how in in the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, how, you know, often trials, tribulations, Israel's enemies were used to refine and build a people through. You know, the book of Isaiah being one such instance. You know, we know that persecution in the early church, you know, led to the, the fanning out of the gospel. You know, that generations since have seen advances of the gospel. You know, people have often been scattered with a purpose by God. God's people have often gone through opposition for a purpose. And that sounds okay. Hindsight is great. But let's just imagine for a minute that we went back a couple of thousand years and that we were, at the moment, living in first century Jerusalem. Now, I'm not going to, I haven't got illustrations. I'm not at Gary's level of everything. But just cast your mind and imagine you're there. And you're possibly doing well. You know, you've got a house. You've got a job. You've got a family. And then one day, the most amazing ha- thing happens is that you hear the good news about this Saviour, this Jesus who's walked the earth. And, and you, you listen, your heart catches fire, you turn and believe and are added into a new community, a community of deep support, the early church, and you've got those green pastures galore happening. But then, within that new community, the church, you hear and see people being badly treated, cast out, beaten, may be killed, and maybe that's literally a a blood relative. Businesses going bust, harshly treated by kinsmen or the ruling Romans. The plough turning things over. And then we look at the global harvest 2,000 years later, where the gospel is approaching the ends of the earth, where billions today will worship Jesus, will bow the knee and pray to him. And there is indeed gospel advance, the fame of God has gone forth. But in tough times and struggles, it's often time where we put the blinkers on and we see just what we see. And yet in those times, there is a a preparation, a a hardening, a a shedding of, I suppose, emotional nice feelings, do you know what I mean? And and a rooting in, in things that take firm foundation in our faith. Uh, And I'm not sure why, but what I know for me is that I know I can trust him completely. That his character just tells me he's faithful, he's true, he's fair, he's loving, he's compassionate. And I know with all I am that I can trust the one who died for me. That there's a preparation going on in my heart. You know, we often think back to, to the Israelites in the Old Testament. And yet if we think, you know, they were a people in, in slavery and obviously God miraculously moved, went through the plagues, went through the Exodus, the parting of the Red Sea. And in, in Exodus 17, we get to a point where they're going to face their first battle. And all of a sudden you realise that these once slaves, now free, they've been trained in the walking out of Egypt, in the the plundering, in the taking things, in the the daily sort of just... Faith and growth, and the daily goings on that they've gone through you know, the sufferings of of hunger and pain, the wilderness experience, the supernatural provision. You know, they've had countless green pastures and countless plowings, and in it all, God's been instilling a faith and knowledge of who He is and where their help is ultimately going to come from because it isn't going to come from their own skill set. It's not going to come from from Egypt, who God released them with, with blessing upon blessing from. It's going to come from Him alone. And it's the same for us centuries later, isn't it? That it's important that we know where our help comes from. Because we're blessed with many different sources of help. But ultimately, as was mentioned last week, our strength will come from God. From time with Him, in prayer, in devotion with Him. And uh, let's be quite real. Looking around a room this size, in the last 18 months, uh, put put your hand up if life's been a little bit different. (laughs) I think that's everyone, and and maybe one or two liars. (laughs) You know, but it's been different, hasn't it? And and in a room this size, there'll be some of you who have have loved bits of it. Do you mean who have really thrived? in you know, in I don't know, the technology or the remoteness or getting studies done or getting readings done or getting jobs done that have been on the list for ages. And yet there'll be others who those very things they've loathed. Have kind of just sucked the life out of you. Do you know what I mean? You know, I've been on mountaintops and valley bottoms. Do you know what I mean? As you miss things and then you hit things, and it's just up and down. You know, and there's a, there's a great saying, isn't there? That you know, we're all made differently, and one man's trash is like another man's treasure. You know, one man's prison is another man's uh, castle. You know, that, that we're different, and yet beautifully made by the same God, equally loved, equally valued, and God is sovereign over it all. And so, our walk with Him can't be down to our emotions, how we feel, because that's not faith. You know, if faith was only that we trusted God when things are going our way, we're in real danger of subconsciously, at least, having a kind of deal where we treat God along the lines of a sort of a, a deal to be bartered If You do this and I do this. You know, uh, almost converting him into a sort of vending machine where we put our coins, our prayer requests in and just wait for him to deliver. And uh, God is not like that. That's not Christianity. Christianity is about us knowing our limitations realising all of our faults and flaws, our wrongs and our inability to be in control and the very fact that we are not God and then turning freely to acknowledge the sovereignty, the magnitude, the majesty, the love of the uncreated Almighty and to root in Him. And in doing that, we draw comfort on the fact that through all the ages, God has always proved faithful to His people. He always has done and always will do. That the ways of our loving God are so different to ours. That he rules and reigns justly, doing the absolute best that will be for the good of us and the glory of his name. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. Uh, quite a few of you in here have uh, been a pleasure to be on, knowing you for a, a number of years now. And some of you will remember, but back in 2016, um, I fell off my road bike uh, just out at Matching and broke my left hip. And it was a sudden re-evaluation for Claire and I. You know, the green meadows we'd enjoyed of health, uh, you know, of I loved the outdoors. That was one of my battles during lockdown. You know, of enjoying fitness and active living and all those things were literally hanging by a thread is in A&E at about 10.30 on the Friday night. I was told I might not walk again without a stick. And all of a sudden, you know, things were stripped back. And I'd love to stand here and tell you that, that we just took that news and you know we, we just held firm and you know, we did great. No, we didn't. There, there were months of recovering from an operation and a year later for things to come out. And through that, we cannot say that we did not have dark nights, that we did not have many questions about why this had happened, trying to validate how good I was, how this wasn't fair, how telling God I didn't deserve this, (laughs) and other things, you know, of grumbling literally with the Almighty. But I can honestly say through those times, through those dark nights, God met with us. He molded us. He changed us. As we wrestled with him, he revealed his love and acceptance and compassion to us. And actually, today, I've never known times, maybe, of of such closeness. For me, you know, I was ploughed, but the subsequent fruit, really, I can stand and say, I'm, I'm grateful to him for and and we need to be careful, you know, because miraculously, as you can probably work out, God's healed my leg, and I've been out running, and I've been out cycling since. But the but the end is only known afterwards, not in the middle. You know, if we went back about three, well, thousands of years, you know, we'll find three young Israelites, uh, Daniel, uh, You know The book of Daniel, sorry, in Daniel 3, records Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you'll know the story if you've been around church for a while. But there was a decree where they had to follow and worship a Babylonian king. And uh, if not, they were going to be thrown into a a fiery furnace. And so with the eyes of all Babylon on them, they stand before the king having refused to worship and say, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. I so love and respect and look up to their faith, their closeness with God, to reply with confidence with the eyes of the world on them, with a lot at stake, knowing, number one, that God is able. God is always able. And coupled with that, that whether he does or doesn't isn't the question. It's the fact that they're rooted in the love and the plan of God. Knowing that he has a bigger picture and grabbing hold of that bigger picture. And so as I really come into the last couple of sentences, we need to know that God is at work today, that he is for his people, he is for you, his people, and he calls us to follow him, to root our lives deeply in him if we've chosen to trust him, even when things don't make sense, even when maybe we face unexpected financial trouble, unexpected health issues, unexpected relationship issues, when things unexpectedly happen, when the battle, so to speak, chooses you, when your best made plans, (laughs) your casually made plans, whatever they are, the things you've enjoyed, worked hard or whatever else, whenever they seem to falter, we need to know that God will not that he is that firm foundation. He is our cornerstone upon which we can build our lives. And yes, in this life, troubles come. Disappointments will come. And yet, for us as Christians, this is not our ultimate home. We live for the glory of God, knowing that our names are on his hands, that he has gone before, and where he is, we shall be also in him as a free gift. And in this life, Jesus also left us a helper, a promise to stay with us. very God, the Holy Spirit, who dwells in each of us, who have chosen to follow God, who call ourselves Christians, to guide, direct, assist, reveal God to us and help us live for his glory. There's one final illustration came out of the the journal I was reading from 1925. And it, it says that nature well illustrates the storms that, us, that Christians face. And uh, I'll ask you to think of your favourite plant. Uh, I'm going to think of the dandelion that was mentioned earlier in the storm. Uh, Andy's a better gardener than me. He'll be thinking of something exotic I can't even name. Okay, If you think of a plant, and if you think in the last week, the, the black overhead skies, the wind that's been here, the rain that's been here pounding down on, on the plant, And then you fast forward to another day where the sunlight is out and the plant stands strong, beaming in the sunlight, full of life. And what we realize is that the storm has fed the plant, that the winds have built a strength in it, the rain that once pounded it has now watered and been sucked up into it. And on that day, we don't see the storms, we see the fruit of them. So it is for us as Jesus' followers. So today, wherever you find yourself, grassy meadow, ploughed up soil, what you need to know is that God is for you, God is with you, and God is worthy of your praise. Worthy of full volume praise at that, as we had a minute ago. That he is good, and he has good plans with you. And so going back to Isaiah 55, verse 6, let's take this as, to seek the Lord while he may be found. To know and put God first to trust him in the meadow, to trust him during the ploughing and to trust him when the harvest comes. I'd like to close by just praying for us. So if you want to bow your heads, put your hands out, whatever you're comfortable doing. But just between you and God, just take a moment because you know where you are and he knows where you are. And he is for you today. Father God, We thank you that none of us are out of your reach, oh God. That you made a way where there was no way for us to come into your presence. And Father God, I pray for myself, my brothers and sisters here this morning, that you would fill us afresh by your Holy Spirit. That you would reveal yourself to us. That you would catch us up in the affirmation that you have for us, that we would know you more, that we would walk closer with you, that we would shine brightly for you, Father God, for those of us who life has, has thrown troubles or is, is in, or are in trouble. God, would you be our comfort, would you be our fortifier this morning? For those who are doing good, Lord, let our praise resonate around the world of the goodness of our God. Lord, thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you that you are good every morning, every noon, and every evening, and forever will be so. Be glorified in the rest of our time today, I ask, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.